This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Only 30 minutes for all those up Swindon fans, but you're not there yet. Hello and welcome to Together, a Brighton Nova Albion podcast, episode 50. We are at the half century. Uh, it's a shame that England couldn't score more than a half century in the ashes, because otherwise we'd be bringing it home, but we aren't. Uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, the international break is over. We can talk football again properly. Uh, love it. Happy days. Um, and we have a fair bit to cover, because we have the whole of the international break to talk about in terms of the players that went out and played for their teams um we have a couple of injuries to cover uh, and then of course we've got a couple of changes uh, at the podcast or rather really exciting opportunities at the podcast um and the two games that we've just had right well or rather the game we've just had and the game that's coming up um we have the burnley game to cover and we have the newcastle game to take a look at going forward so we know what we do here. Uh, same same story, different week. Top five stories of the week. Uh, we will go through each and every single one of them picked out by me. Uh, and we will talk about whatever is going on in the Albion universe. Um, so story number five. Story number five. Um, Leandro Trossard is out. Um, rumor is, or rather not so much a rumor as the thought process, because it came from Potter's mouth himself, which was nice. Um, something that is already worth talking about as a bit of a difference to last time, right? Uh, we're used to having absolutely no uh, context as to how hurt people are, um, never knowing how serious it is and never knowing when they're coming back. So it was nice for Potter to be very upright and outright, out, up, forward, whatever. Uh, he was very forthright. That was it. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, he was very forthright in his um, assessment of Trossard. He said that he's likely out until the next international break. Uh, he felt something in his groin doesn't feel great. Um, and when we were talking about it uh, a little while back, groin injuries are a funky kind of thing, right? They can uh, keep you out for a long time. Uh, Keita was out for over three months with his groin injury. Um so, luckily, it's not as bad as it could have been. He misses four games. Uh, two of them big top six games, of course, because we've got Chelsea and Tottenham back-to-back. But uh, we also have a couple of very winnable games, or rather winnable was, um, with Burnley and Newcastle coming up. So, he's going to be missed. Uh, I think we missed him at Burnley, and we'll cover that a little bit later on. But uh, I guess the question is, how wise was it offloading Lacardia and Andone now? Uh, we have a very shallow depth for out-and-out strikers, or rather attack in three. Uh, I've seen a lot of people online think it was a very unwise move. Um, but 
you know, if you want to talk about replacing them like for like, uh, he obviously thinks that Andone and Morpai uh, are probably a like for like replacement, and Lacardia and Connolly, uh, whether he thinks they're like for like or not, he obviously thinks Connolly and uh, Mopai are the men that are suited to replace Lacardia and Andone. Whether that ends up being the right move or not, we will certainly see. Uh, but I have faith in him, I have faith in Pot- Potter. Uh, that he's made the right decision. He obviously thinks that they were not the strikers that he wanted in his team. Um, Not just that, but the rumor mill was very, very uh, saturated with the idea that both players were not the most well-liked in the locker room. Locker room, changing room, whatever. Uh, Shows that I've been in America too long when I'm calling it the locker room. Um, But, yeah... Obviously, he, he's made his decision. He's a man with over 10 years and a degree in people leadership and people development and people management. He, he obviously thinks this was the right decision to make. Um, and you've got to show some faith in him uh, because we showed more in Hewton. Um, I'm already seeing whispers of discontent. And, you know, we didn't get that from Hewton until after Christmas. So uh, give him a chance. You know, he's had one game since he's let them go. Let's see how that shakes out. Uh Talking of the international break and injuries, uh, there was a lot of other players that played during the international break. Um, Brighton did a really good recap of how their play, how the players did, uh, but just to cover it on here, it's worth talking about. Duffy uh, played against Switzerland, one-one uh, draw, and he was also then left out uh, in the following game. I can't remember who it was they played. I think it was Bulgaria. Um, Maybe. Was it Bulgaria or friendly? Regardless, I don't think Duffy played that second game, uh, was rested, and thankfully, I'm glad, always never going to turn that down. Um, He played in a qualifier, an important one, got a point for his team, and then uh, went and had a rest, which was much needed. Not only that, but given the fact that he didn't play against City, it was probably a nice bit of match time for him, given that it still is early on in the season, so I'm happy that he got to play. Uh, Andone, after moving over to Galatasaray, um, actually scored uh, within about two minutes, I think, um, against Spain. Uh, came off the bench and very much shades of the uh, the Watford game, although it was ahead of this time. Uh, came out of nowhere and scored that goal. They didn't win, though. They, they lost, I think it was 2-1. They got beat. Um, he also then played against Malta. Uh, they won that. He didn't score, however. Um, it's interesting to think that Andone in the press has came out and said that he uh, wanted more game time. Um, and he believes that Galatasaray is the place to get that game time when uh, he played and scored against Watford. He started against Southampton and got himself sent off um, and since served his ban, right? Bizarre uh, logic for him. I don't really understand it or buy a single word of it. I think he was offloaded because of his attitude. Um, and the idea that he thinks that uh, Falcao is easier to get out of his spot as a striker compared to Glenn Murray is absolutely hilarious. Um, just unreal. Uh, I was a big fan of Andone, but clearly uh, nobody else was inside that that group of players because he is a goner. Um, Davy Proper uh, introduced in the 58th minute against Germany. Um they actually turned it around and won 4-2. They were 1-0 down with an, half an hour to go and ended up winning 4-2. Wild stuff. Uh, not sure whether he played against Estonia. Um, let me see. 
Yes, he did. He played all 90 minutes against Estonia. Uh, they won 4-0. Absolutely hammered him. Uh, he didn't get on the score sheet as he had been in the past, but comfortable win for David Proper's team there. Uh, Alexis McAllister. Um, will we ever see him in a Brighton shirt ever? I'm not sure, but he came off the bench to play for Argentina. Um, they drew 0-0 with Chile. Uh, he's, you know, who knows? He played again on Wednesday, uh, played 65 minutes um, against Mexico. To me, I'm not sure whether this is a visa issue or something else, but if he continues to make these kind of appearances for Argentina of all teams, uh, I can't see it being too much of an issue getting him some kind of visa or permission to come play for us. Uh, he's becoming an Argentina international. He's playing for Boca Juniors. Um, you would think it would be more of a formality than anything else. So maybe he will be a man that is welcome to the club next summer. I'm not really sure. Um, but it hasn't really been very clear, has it? I know that for Percy Tao, it was very, very clear that he didn't have the visa qualifications to come over to the UK and play. Um, but there's been less clear clarity uh, for Alexis. So if anybody has read an article that I haven't, uh, definitely reach out and let me know. Um, but as far as I'm aware, we haven't really been told very clearly as to why McAllister hasn't come over yet. Um, Aaron Moy who came on late for us against Burnley, actually scored for Australia, a 3-0 win at Q8. <laughs> uh, also, Matty Ryan played in that game the full 90 minutes. Not sure how good Q8 are, but, you know, they won. Um, Ali Reza Jahanbach got a valuable 87 minutes of competitive football. Uh, they beat Hong Kong 2-0 um, in a 2022 World Cup qualifier. I'm sure that Iran will probably do quite well this year because uh, those World Cup qualifiers are really not a very high quality at all so uh he got that match under his belt good for him happy with that uh not only that but aaron Connolly uh really lit it up um against armenia in the under 21s for the republic of ireland he set up the single goal for troy parrot uh he got all the plaudits for the goal too apparently it was an absolutely incredible run on the wing um and an incredible assist so awesome stuff for him um malumbi also played that game i believe uh they also played again um, in a 3-1 win over Sweden. So uh, a bunch of first-team players contributing to their uh, their national sides and fair play. Happy with that. Uh, crazy to think that we've got this many internationals playing for us, especially when half of them don't even play in our team. Um, so we had a bunch of under-21s also uh, make, play and make appearances. Uh, Anders Dreyer, Leo Ostergaard, Tom McGill, Hayden Roberts, uh, Mark Leonard. They all made appearances uh, for their under-21 or lower sides, um, under-18s for some of them, Hayden Roberts, England under-18s. Uh, but for the most part, that just about covers their international break. So overall, like I said, can't complain. We've got a bunch of international players uh, doing half-decent for their teams. And that, more than anything, I'm happy for uh, Ali Reza to get some some real game time uh when he's struggling to get some at the Albion right now so happy with that can't complain move on to story number three so story number three is actually more a podcast centric uh story because um it's a really cool thing to talk about so um just last week I was uh signed up to be part of the Big Heads Media Group um which is obviously incredible growth given that you know we're just a little fan podcast doing our thing out there in the in the podcast universe which is much bigger than I ever realized it was um but I also had uh I also let you know last week that there was some possibility for some more exciting news and that came through this week 
um, going forward for the rest of the season, at least, uh, as far as I'm aware, um, I will be a guest contributor or a guest, uh, a weekly guest on the um, Brighton show or the 30 minute Brighton fan show uh, on Love Sport Radio. They are a. I apologize if you hear squeaking in the background. That is my dogs playing with their toys. Um, so they are going to be, um, if you haven't heard of Love Sport Radio, they are a radio show that uh, covers a whole bunch of mostly football. Um, they come work out of London. They're available on the radio, uh, mostly digital, I believe. Um, if you're over here in the US, you can get it on TuneIn uh, and a whole bunch of the other radio apps that they have out there. Um, honestly, I hadn't actually heard of them before, um, but they reached out to me and they asked me uh, if, due to the podcast and you know how it how it's going, if they would like to have me, if they would like me to be on the show. Uh, weekly as their kind of constant guest contributor so obviously i said yes why not um and i have my first show like uh, this friday it will be at 10 p.m british uh time gmt bst whatever it is right now because i don't think the clocks have gone back um yeah so it'll be 10 o'clock over in the uk it'll be five o'clock eastern time so you can do the math to know when it would be on uh, your time uh, they actually had gordon smith on this week uh, for the first 15 minutes to talk about his uh, cup final woes and uh, just his thoughts and feelings on the albion so far and i was on the last 15 minutes uh, not sure what it's going to look like going forward because it was the very first show um but you know, we're now on a national radio show, uh, which is pretty bloody cool. Um, the Together show, uh, the Together van is on there. So, again, like this is all down to the fact that you people listen, uh, you people contribute, you people give your thoughts, and I really just talk about it on here for 30 minutes a week, and we are continuing to grow. So, this is really exciting stuff. Uh, hopefully, we attract some of those people over to the, to the show, uh, and they have a listen. They contribute just like you all are. So, I just wanted to thank you all, really, because you're the reason that this kind of stuff is happening. Um, and, you know, I think we're just a couple of steps away from being uh, a really cool thing. So, well, I mean, we already are a really cool thing, but uh, you know what I mean. So, again, thank you. I think it's a really cool thing, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, given the fact that it's been a pretty quiet week, I thought I would shoehorn it in as one of the stories of the week. Um, but onto the onto the main event, really, of the of the evening. Uh, stories number one and two are going to be our game we just played and the game that's got we've got coming up. So we've just uh, played Burnley this weekend. We finished one one. Um, felt almost like a defeat in a lot of ways as the final whistle went, uh, but we got a point. Um, which is more than we got against them last year at this stage. So uh, we got the stats, the good and the bad. So let's start off with the stats. Um, we finished with 62% possession. I am noticing a pattern. I'm sure you are too, Sherlock, uh, because it is very obvious that this game plan definitely revolves on keeping the ball uh, at Brighton feet. 62% possession, uh, 14 shots, nine of those in the penalty area. Worth talking about because we are not just taking pot shots here. Um, we are taking shots. Um, we are working our way into the box and we are letting them go. 14 of them this week, five of them on target, a couple of them blocked, a couple of them wide, but it's showing a heck of a lot of progress from last year. 76% pass accuracy. Uh, that was absolutely hurt hurt by that opening 30 minutes the opening 30 minutes was absolutely horrific but we will get to that shortly uh three corners 
really kind of blows my mind that we decided to play four centre-halves this weekend um, with Webster, Duffy, Dunk and Byrne all playing and we only won three corners. Um, felt like we should really have tried a little bit harder to make more of those opportunities. We didn't really have any free kicks in dangerous areas. Uh, we didn't have any... We had three corners. I felt like we could have done a lot more um, to create those opportunities, given the fact that we had so many people available to dominate aerially. But, you know, all credit to Burnley. Uh, they didn't They didn't commit the fouls necessary for us to get those free kicks, uh, and we didn't... We didn't play the balls necessary to try and win those corners. Um, and frankly, when we did, we weren't even that threatening. Uh, one of Gross's corners actually went straight in to the keeper themselves, which is unheard of for Pascal Gross. Uh, and then the other two were pretty much bang average. Um, one of them was a real smart corner that came to nothing, and the other one was just a standard corner that also came to nothing. So it seemed bizarre to me that we didn't try and capitalize on the, the four centre-halves we have on the pitch and Glenn Murray. Um, we have five major aerial threats, and we really didn't do a great deal to try and get all of them up there. Really weird. But, you know, uh, overall, solid performance on numbers alone, um, but obviously we didn't get the win. So going into the more subjective stuff, uh, the good, let's start with the good. And this is a big one. Bisuma is back. He was on the bench, but he's back. Now, a lot of the talk had been that he wasn't really even starting proper training until this week. Turns out that that clearly isn't the case. Uh, he's been training for a couple of weeks, and he has been brought back into the squad. Um, Potter must really like what he sees to risk him even possibly needing to come on. Uh, but what an absolute boost. Um, yes, we've lost Trussard, but we've got back Bissouma. Unbelievable. Major news. Could have been a news story on its own. Genuinely considered it to be story number three before I decided to toot my own horn. But Bissouma is back. Massive news. What a change that's going to be for us if he is as fit as we hope he is. Um, a whole different option up there. Now, the final 60 minutes was excellent. Uh, we absolutely bossed the game against Burnley. Solly March was excellent. Uh, I thought he was our man of the match. He played several different roles in uh, this in this. 90 minutes, uh, he played well defensively, he played well attacking, uh, his, his numbers were excellent, he got an assist, he played three key passes, um, he has 73 touches of the ball, third most third most touches of the ball uh, for an Albion player, normally it's the centre-halves, not today, Solly March was up there with getting on the ball all the time, but defensively he was all over it too, two tackles, two interceptions, two clearances, uh, that was a better overall ranking than anybody else um he was on fire today uh the assist was excellent i just wish he felt a little bit more confident shooting um that shot that he took early on with his left foot when he really should have just smashed it with his right was baffling to me wish he would have just hit that a lot harder and a lot quicker than he did but overall uh, Solly march has to be my man of the match uh mopai another goal two goals already for the season uh, people weren't sure how he would adapt in the championship, how he would adapt in a new kind of totally new style of play under Potter. Um, but he got in dangerous positions regularly, um, and he's been playing out wide for almost his entire time. I, I think he should be playing more centrally. Um, I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. 
Uh, I know I've seen a lot of people online thinking that it's time to get him as the central man, uh, and I agree 100%. Um, we're not playing a lot of football that requires a big man to hold up the ball up front. Um, Mopai would be able to do that job admirably, and he looked very dangerous today. Uh, thought he was excellent. Gross had an absolutely phenomenal game for me today as well. Uh, he played all over the park. Um, he did excellently all the way through. Uh, he didn't look off the pace, he didn't look tired, um, and frankly, you don't need pace, right, when you get yourself into such unbelievably excellent positions um, as consistently as he does. Uh, I tweeted it during the game, his football in IQ is just through the roof. Uh, he is very much showing shades of his first season self now, um, and really growing into the game that Potter wants him to play. Two shots, six, six key passes. He, I don't think he had that many all season last year. Uh, two tackles. Um, he did his job defensively. He pressed high up the pitch when he needed to. He always looked dangerous. Um, if Gross had pace, if Gross was a player with uh, a bit more than a slug pace that he has, he would already be playing in the top six. He would be a top six player by a million miles. Um, but he isn't. He hasn't. And luckily for us, that means he's has. Um, and what a player he, he's looking to become again. Uh, playing him as part of that front three to begin with was baffling to me. I thought, you know, how are we going to be able to deal with this when he's supposed to have some pace to break? But he today he looked like the focal point of our counterattacks half the time. Um, and when you're spraying balls around like he is, why not? Uh, I think there was one time where I wish he would have tried to shoot as opposed to dick around on the ball. But overall, um, I thought they were excellent today. I really do. Um, moving on to the bad, the first 30 minutes, my goodness gracious, the first 30 minutes of this game was an absolute shit show, um, we were horrific, it was, we looked, we looked gassed, we looked tired, we looked lethargic, we looked off the pace, we didn't know, it looked like we were just chilling, it just blows my mind, um, we were, as an example, we were dispossessed six times in the opening 30 minutes. We only got dispossessed seven more times all game. Quite how lethargic we were was unbelievable. Um, I tweeted uh, the other day, and it's true. Chris Hutton, uh, the Albion under Hutton, were notoriously bad after international breaks. Um, that was true even in the championship when we were playing incredibly well. International breaks were bad for the Albion. We never did well after them. Uh, I don't think we ever won a game after them. I'm sure that somebody else can show me whether that's true or not, but I feel like we never won a game after an international break in the Premier League. Um, and it really looked like it took a full 90 minutes before we even would wake up. Uh, we are showing progress, though, because, like I said, it took us a full 90 minutes. This time it only took us half an hour. So that's good, I guess. Um, the fact that we didn't concede in those opening 30 minutes is just an absolute miracle. Um, we were really, really bad. Glenn Murray was really poor today. Um, even early on, he had a major chance in the first half. He mistimed his header. Mistimed his header. Unheard of for Glenn Murray. Um, unbelievable. He should have scored that opening goal when uh, I think it was proper whipped it in. Um, not sure how he didn't score that unbelievable chance and he just it i think it just rolled wide um and then even later on uh his touch was just insanely heavy all day really uh i have no idea how he stayed on the pitch frankly as long as he did 
um, because he looked really, really poor. I think that he should have been took off a lot sooner than he was. Um, we fell asleep to concede the goal. Of course, that's a big part of the bad. Uh, we fell asleep for 15 seconds after making the substitution, bringing on Gaetan Bong. Uh, midfield didn't track their runners as the ball came forward. The defenders looked rooted to the spot. Bizarre. Uh, just stepped off their players and didn't really press at all. Uh, and despite the try, like, I get it. Hendrick's strike was like an absolute missile. Um, there is no reason why we couldn't have stopped that at three separate opportunities before he shot, got that shot away. Um, we had ample opportunity to stop that in the build-up. Even though it was quick, snappy build-up, we had ample opportunity and have swept up those attacks before and did not this time. Really disappointing. And... Because beating a dead horse uh, isn't fun enough. Um, VAR again came to play at the Amex um, and spoiled the game for everybody. Uh, Ashley Westwood, who actually I'm quite a big fan of, I think he's a good player, uh, came in with an incredibly high boot uh, against Mopai with no reasoning behind it whatsoever. It was a very clear red card. Um, referee gave him a yellow. VAR looked into it and agreed that it was indeed a yellow card. Um... BBC actually, or rather the FA, have already confirmed that uh, in the first four weeks, VAR made one, well, four key decisions wrong. Uh, they were made a mistake four times. Um, so that's at least one result per week being affected heavily by the fact that VAR is failing. Um, this one has to go down as another one. So that means we are now five for five. We have five weeks where VAR, at least in one game, has played a huge part in affecting a result. Um, and when there's millions upon millions upon millions of pounds at stake, that is not acceptable. Um, if we are going to be using this technology, it needs to be better, and we need to stop protecting referees' decisions, uh, because right now, that's all it is. Um, but to just give a little bit of context, uh, because there's a lot of people very unhappy right now with the results, um, last year, uh, to give you some context, we lost away at Watford 2-0. We beat West Ham at home. We lost to Southampton at home 1-0. We lost to Manchester City away 2-0, and we lost to Burnley at home 3-1. We came away with three points from those five games. This year, we have five. Blatant, obvious progression. Uh, we are playing a much better style of football. I beg anybody to disagree with me on that because you're factually wrong. <laughs> we are playing much nicer football than anything we played under Chris Hutton last year. Um, and we're also, I mean, hell, even if you want to look at goals scored and goals against, we're, we're even at a minus two as opposed to minus three, despite getting tanked by Manchester City this year. Um, I think we need to just calm down a little bit. Uh, the negative Nancys out there need to just take a breath. Uh, we have a manager that has extreme success in all of his clubs prior. Uh, he has been known at Swansea for a slow start. Uh, and throughout his time at Ostersons, he, was, he had a couple of slow starts and they went on to do just fine. He is making his decisions. He knows what he's doing, I hope. And if he doesn't, Bloom will fix it. We've got to have faith here, people only been five games i get that we're upset that we haven't won a couple of games we absolutely should have won but at the same time if we keep making these kind of plays and we keep creating the chances we're creating 
it is going to even itself out at the end of the season. It's not like the referees where they say that referee decisions even themselves out at the end of the season, because that ain't true. We've seen that. But if we keep creating the sheer amount of chances we are that are good, clear-cut opportunities, we are going to win games more than we're going to lose them, and we aren't going to go down. So take a breath. We've got a couple of tough games coming up. So it's going to be rough because we've got Newcastle away, who are no slouch this year, despite how bad I thought they were going to be. They're not that bad. And then we've got Tottenham and Chelsea. Not sure which order they're in. But we'll be okay. I really do think it. Um, and I would not be shocked at all to see us get a result against one of those top six sides this year um, in the next two, Chelsea or Tottenham. I won't be surprised to see us get a win against one of them, truly. Um, I think that we're really looking on the up and just raw numbers. We're doing better against the five teams we've played this year than we did last year. So keep the faith, people. I think we're going to be okay. Moving on to our final story of the week, Newcastle. Newcastle coming up. We uh, play at St. James's Park or whatever it's called this year, depending on what Mike Ashley is selling and buying. Um, but lots of reasons to be cheerful. I think that we have a good re- good chance of um, beating them this year. Uh, let's look at their overall form. They've played five games, just like us so far. They've scored four. Uh, Ten shots per game on average, 38% possession. Um, they're averaging three shots on target per game. Not great. Um, their home form, which is obviously going to be slightly more important because they're at home. Uh, they've played two at home so far, scored one goal and have 45% possession. Um, this is a team that essentially plays the exact type of football that Potter loves to play against. Uh, they're a team that aren't going to have a lot of the ball, that aren't going to take a lot of chances or pepper the goal with a lot of opportunities. Um, and it's this kind of the kind of tactics and the kind of strategy that in theory, Potter should be able to counteract and absolutely blitz. Um, so I'm really, conf- I'm really confident uh, and I'm really hopeful that we can get a really positive result up there. Um, there's going to be some players to watch, of course. Uh, Shah, who is an absolutely excellent centre-half. Um, I think he's one of the best centre-halves outside of the top six. Um, and he's continuing to show it. And obviously, uh, Jamal LaSalle, LaSalle's... Uh, absolutely rocks at the back our strikers are going to have a real rough day with them um potter will have a plan uh i suspect or maybe think it might have something to do with overloading them out wide uh because it's going to be tough to beat those players one-on-one so i think they're going to have to focus on beating them out wide winning that game um winning the game out 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 wide and then bringing it in and beating them with sheer numbers uh and if they can beat those men outside you know, then we can end up with three on two, four on two, and then we can end up getting some goals. But it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and obviously on attack, Atsu um, is going to be a problem for us. Two assists already. He's really fast. He's really direct. And he's caused us problems before. Um, this is not our first rodeo. We're trying to contain uh, Atsu, their left winger. Um, he is a monster. Uh, I think we'll probably see a return of Montoya next week. Um just to deal with the pace of Atsu. Uh, And if he can push forward, you'll see Atsu become very quiet, I think, because Atsu is not a player that is going to want to be bombing backwards and forwards, coping with Montoya. Um, He'll probably be their outball. It's going to be a real interesting battle. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, whoever plays at right wing back or right back uh, against Atsu being the main competition of the get of the game um and i would say whoever wins that competition between the two um is going to lead to the result 
I think that if Atsu gets the better of them, we're probably going to get beat or get a draw. Uh, and I think if we can keep him quiet and win that competition, uh, I think we'll win it. Predicted 11. Um, on my notes, I just have uh, stuff I can't read out loud. Who the hell knows? Um, and the word wasn't hell on my notes. Because truly, what the hell are we thinking? Um, how did we know that uh, they were going to throw four center halves on this weekend? Um, Potter is going to be almost impossible to predict. So I'm just going to give you the 11 I would play. <laughs> uh, Ryan in goal. Uh, Montoya at right wing back. Dunk, Webster and Burn at the back. Um, I think that this is the kind of team we should be looking at keeping the ball a lot. Um, and Webster is much more comfortable on it. He made some great runs again against Burnley. I think he needs to start. Dunk, Webster, Burn. Bernardo at left wing back. Uh, I think he played very well against Manchester City. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't start again. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see him not start against Burnley, honestly. Um, Proper and Dale Stevens in the middle, of course. Um, and then up top, I would have Pascal Gross, Solly March, and Mopai. Uh, have him in the middle. Solly out wide and Gross out wide. We have more pace that way to break. Bernardo is not afraid to break with pace. Montoya also not afraid to break with pace. And I think this is a team that we can look to do exactly that with. Um, think of that last 45 minutes against Watford uh, and the way we scared the crap out of them breaking at pace. That's the kind of style of play I think Potter will bring f to this one. Um, and I think it's the right way to play. So that's my predicted 11. Um, and that just about wraps up the show this week. Uh, half a century, people. We are halfway to 100. Can you believe it? I cannot, truly. But thank you for listening. Uh, keep on listening. You'll hear an ad for, uh, I believe it was Brew Crime. If you like your crime and you like your beer, you might want to listen to it. If you don't, you might want to just turn it off. I don't know. It's up to you. But take a listen. Tell me what you think. Um, and I will see you all next week at Together, a Brighton Live Albion podcast. Be safe, everybody. This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer. That Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com, or on Twitter at brewcrime, on Facebook at brewcrime, or if you want to go to our group, it's group slash brewcrime on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pacific Beer Chat. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle.